Trinity Baptist Church, a community growing in faith, obedience, and joy. I just want to take a minute to thank Beth for putting up with me over the last couple of years. She's emailed me several times about doing this, and I've gone one way or the other to get out of it, but not today. Um, so this is my testimony. I guess I've always felt, after looking back over the course of my life, that I've accepted the good things that God has offered and given me, but I've had a really hard time accepting the difficult or the bad things that, have, that he's put before me. The most recent examples of these things have been God has provided a God-fearing wife and a fun-loving, rambunctious son, you can probably hear him in the back, to share my life with. I definitely, definitely accept gladly them as great offerings from God. An example of a difficult or bad thing that God has put in my path is the death of my mom not quite a year ago. After she died, I was willing to allow bitterness and even hatred for God and his people to settle in my heart. I found myself searching for relief for my grief. I was trapped in self-pity and really didn't want to face the fact that I knew that God loves me. Back in March, when we had my mom's life celebration, Jesus found me. He offered, he offered his love to me through supportive friends, family, scripture, and fond memories of my mom. As for offering help to others, I've been on several short-term mission trips to various parts of the world. At times, I had lofty goals to meet and to help those in need. But at other times, I was giving of my time and resources in order to feel better about myself and to pat myself on the back. Still at other times in life, I've not wanted to share my resources with others because deep down, I know that I am selfish. God met me on those mission trips, and the very people I was supposed to be helping offered much more to me in the way of hospitality than I could ever offer ever to them. Today, I not only accept God's love, but I'm slowly learning how to offer love to others. I have a long way to go in attaining a childlike faith in both accepting his love and selflessly offering that same love to others. However, I am aware of the humiliation he went through for me on the cross so that I can have eternal life with him. My name is Fred Gilbert, and I am reconciled to Christ. I also want to say thank Keith for putting up with me over the last decade or so. Um, he's my good buddy. We're going to have lunch later on today. The Gospel of John, chapter 13, verses 2 through 8. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the mill, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not, un you do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. Now, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, 
you have no part with me. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks, Fred. Good morning. So if you are visiting with us this morning, we are thrilled that you're here. And I'm going to ask you to do something that that Trinity folks, um, we do routinely. I want you to get in groups of, of, of three or four, and I want you to answer a very simple question, okay? So the reason I want you to do this is, is it helps us to get to know each other on a little bit, you know, deeper level than just saying, hi, I'm Keith. But I want you to turn, introduce yourself, and then I want you to answer this question really easy. Are you more inclined to give help or receive help? Are you more, do you prefer giving help more than you prefer receiving help? And then just elaborate and tell us why you like to help or be helped, okay? Is that clear? All right, turn, groups of three or four, introduce yourself, answer that question. You got about 90 seconds. Let's take a, um, let me just take a quick poll. How many of you said that you are more inclined to give help? That's all of us. And why do you think that is? Pride, pride, pride. It's because we are proud. We have so much to offer, yes. <laughs> We're proud people. We, we like to think we've got it all under control. We like to do it ourselves. Um, and even when it's not all under control, we think we can figure it out and get it back in control. So we don't like to ask for help. We want to do it ourselves. And, and this goes back to when we're kids, right? How many parents have heard your child say, when you come over to help your child, your child says, no, don't help me. I want to do it myself, right? And as parents, we're kind of glad for that. We want our kids to be independent. We want them to to learn to do things for themselves. And we want them to learn to help other people too. We teach them to be uh, helpers of others. In school, they are trained to help other people. So, So our training is all about being competent and independent and being helpers of others. What else? Uh, what you may not know is that scientific studies have shown that we are wired to be helpers. Uh, Emory University did a study a number of years ago where they found that people who helped others through acts of kindness, the, the pleasure and reward center of their brain actually lit up because the brain released this hormone, this pleasure hormone, dopamine. And psychologists ended up um, 
nicknaming this feeling that you get when you help others as a helper's high, kind of like a runner's high. Because when we help other people, our brain just releases, our body releases these endorphins that just make us feel good. It's kind of like, you know, when if you're a runner and you get to that place, and I've rarely gotten to that place running. But anyway, you know, so our bodies are telling us to help. Our parents and teachers are training us to be helpers. We've all heard the phrase, it's, it's more blessed to give than receive. So we got all this stuff about helping that's working for us. This morning, I want us to talk about the art of receiving. Because it goes against our nature. It goes against our nature to ask for help. We're in this series called um, Love Where You Live, where we've been talking about taking the Great Commandment seriously. And we're all familiar with Matthew 22, where uh, this person asked Jesus, uh, teacher, you know, what's the greatest commandment? To which Jesus responds, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. It says, love your neighbor as yourself. Um, All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. What Jesus is saying is if you're really going to say that you love God, you have to love your neighbor too. You can't do the love God part without doing the love your neighbor part. The two go hand in hand. And so through this series, we've been talking about how to be good lovers of our neighbors, how to love our neighbors well. And, and James talked about, you know, being intentional with our time, that we would carve out some, some space on our calendar for our neighbors. And, and we, we talked a couple of weeks ago about overcoming fear, the fear that we have of, of reaching out and, and really engaging with, with our neighbors and, and what that's all about and how to get beyond that fear. Last week, we talked about, you know, becoming a party animal like Jesus was. Um, yeah. If you weren't here, Jesus was a party animal. And if we're going to be like Jesus, we need to be like that. And so we talked about how to, how to act when you're at a party and, and, and then how to throw a party where we actually become the intersection between people who may not be open to God and the God who's open to everyone. Um, Those are things that we need to do if we're going to love well. Now you might be thinking, yeah, but what does the art of receiving have to do with loving our neighbor? Great question. Thanks for asking. I want us to think for, for a few minutes about the passage that Fred read for us from John chapter 13. It's, it's a, a passage that's probably familiar to most of us. And, and if, if you know the, the context of, what you, of, of this passage in John 13, which, which goes all the way to verse 17, what Jesus is modeling for his disciples is servanthood. He's modeling the art of helping, the art of serving. 
But I think there's a piece of this that we miss sometimes. Because part of what this, this passage speaks to is what has to happen in us before we, we can become really good at serving. You know the context. It's the Passover meal uh, that Jesus is sharing with his disciples on the night before he goes to the cross. And he does this remarkable thing. It says in verse 4 that Jesus gets up from the meal, he disrobes, he wraps a towel around him, and he begins to wash his disciples' feet. This incredibly humble act of service. And then he comes to Peter in verse 6. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I'm doing, but later you'll understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. What must have been going through Peter's mind? This is, this is my rabbi. This is my my teacher, my master, my Lord. He he shouldn't be washing my feet. I should be washing his feet. Is that appropriate for Peter to be thinking? It's not a rhetorical question. (laughs) Absolutely. There is a there is a, a humility in Peter that recognizes the incongruity between uh, the incongruity of having his master and Lord wash his feet. But, and here's what we need to get, he is not humble enough to allow himself to receive. There is a humility in serving And we talked about that last week. But more often than not, it is easier for us to humble ourselves to serve than it is to humble ourselves to receive. There is a humility, and I would would go so far as to say even a generosity in accepting help. And that is much, often much harder for us to step into than it is to serve. See, too often, too often we we think that that serving is more noble than receiving. Too often we confuse receiving with taking. Um, sometimes we we see receiving as being selfish, and sometimes. We think that those, those who receive are, are the, the needy people. And of course, I'm not needy. But what Jesus is saying to Peter is, unless you humble yourself to the point that you can receive from me, then you will never really step into the fullness of my kingdom. You will never really get it, and you'll never be able to represent it to others. 
let's talk about humility for a few minutes so that we can get a handle on what it is. Humility, um, the word humble comes from the Latin word humus, which simply translated is earth or dirt. Humility is about coming to grips with our humanity. It's, a, it's about recognizing that at the end of the day, in and of ourselves, we're pretty much dirt. Now, we're not worthless dirt because Jesus died to redeem us, so we are very valuable, but we're still dirt. And we need to recognize that our value is not in and of ourselves. Our value is in humbling ourselves before the Lord to the point that we are able to receive from Him. And as we are able to receive from Him, as the book of James says, when we humble ourselves, then He will lift us up. You see, the Scriptures describe a proud person as one who is puffed. Pride is a determination to be seen as bigger than we are. Pride is when I think I've got it handled. Pride is when I think I can figure it all out. A few years ago, we were, uh, there was a, a situation, uh, an organizational situation at Trinity that I was uh, trying to figure out how to navigate, and I couldn't really, uh, I really didn't know what to do. And so I talked with the elders about it, and I talked with some of the trustees about it. And we, and even though we talked about various scenarios, there nothing really um, landed where I went. That's it. So I was still unsettled by it, and and so my wife encouraged me, um, very you know graciously, encouraged me to reach out to a prominent businessman in our neighborhood that. Um, I had met on a couple of occasions, but was not uh, by any means close to. And I said, no, I can't reach out to him. You know, he doesn't have time for me. And, and well, you know, I, I wouldn't really want to bother him with this. And I made all these excuses. But at the end of the day, what it really came down to was the fact that I was proud. I didn't want this this man to to think that I didn't, well, to come to know that I didn't know how to run our church. Now, I didn't mind talking to the elders and trustees about it because they already knew that I don't know how to run a church. <laughs> but I didn't, want, I didn't want this guy to think I didn't know how to do my job. Long story short, I ended up reaching out to him he agreed to meet with me. Um, we ended up having a wonderful conversation where he gave me some great advice, which we then decided to implement. And what happened through that conversation with me reaching out and asking for help is we developed a friendship. Here's my point. Because I was proud... I didn't want to ask for help. I didn't want someone to think that I didn't have it under control. 
Pride is when we put ourselves in the place where we won't receive from others. And that's where Peter was. And Jesus said, unless you let me serve you, unless you allow yourself to receive, you just don't get it. You think Peter got it? Well, in that moment, he did what Peter always does. He went over the top. You know, Lord, don't just wash my feet. Give me a bath. You know, I'm like, <laughs> I, want, I want it all. But then we know that only a few hours later, he denied Jesus three times before Jesus went to the cross. You know, Peter was just all over the place. But I think Peter did eventually get it. Because years later, he was writing to the, the leaders of the church in Asia Minor. And in 1 Peter 5, he wrote these words. All of you, clothe yourselves with what? Humility. This is coming from Peter. Clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. <laughs> Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. I love that Peter's writing this because of the experience he'd had. You see, when we are humble, we are literally down to earth. We don't waste energy on pretense or in thinking that we've got it all under control or in pretending that we don't need help. A humble person not only serves, but humility enables us to receive as well. Humility is about emptying ourselves so that we can receive from God all that we need. And as Peter so well knew from that foot washing experience with Jesus, when he humbled himself enough to receive, God did indeed lift him up in due time. And God used him then to advance his kingdom. So let me make sure that we're, we're clear on what humility is. Humility is not about self-deprecation. Humility is not about having a poor self-image or a low self-esteem. Self humility, at the end of the day, is about self-awareness. We need to be self-aware in relationship to our gifts, our talents, our skills, our intellect. But in regard to our spiritual health, it is essential that we are self-aware in the arena of personal character. And let me say this. If, if you see yourself for who you are and are honest with yourself, then humility will be the natural result. Because if we look honestly in the mirror and see who we truly are, then we will have to be humble people because we'll recognize that we're just not that great. You see, what, what God is asking us to do is not, not say something that's untrue about us, but he's asking us to just look in the mirror and see ourselves for who we truly are. And then after that, to have the courage to ask for help. That's humility. 
So let's connect this to loving where we live. What might happen if we humbled ourselves and became vulnerable with our neighbors and, and actually reached out and asked for help? What would happen if we opened ourselves to receive help from our neighbors? You know, when I went to that businessman and asked him to help me with my organizational issue, the unintended result of that was that I actually invited him into my life, which then led to a friendship, which then led to conversations about faith in Jesus. That never would have happened. I doubt that that ever would have happened had I not reached out to him and said, I need your help. Question. What might happen if you ask your neighbors for some help in some arena of your life? Um, for example, let's say you're baking a cake. And I bake all the time, so I know this example well. Um, Let's say you're baking a cake, and you run out of sugar. Your natural inclination is to do what? Run down to the Dwayne Reed and get some, right? But what if, when you run out of sugar, instead of going around the corner to the Dwayne Reed, you go next door and knock on your neighbor's door and with your measuring cup in your hand and say, can I borrow a cup of sugar? Now, your neighbor may give you a look like, why didn't you just go to the Dwayne Reed? <laughs> or, your neighbor may say, absolutely, let me get some for you. And what you've just done in that brief interaction where you have asked for help in the simplest of ways is you've opened the door to a relationship that might just lead to conversations about faith and Jesus. I'd like to uh, introduce you to a few friends of mine. Uh, Brandon and, and Jen, would you come up? And Chris? So, I'll, you can use hers later. <laughs> um, Brandon and Jen, tell us a little bit about who you are. You're pretty new to the city, what you're doing here. Um, just kind of give us a snapshot. We are Jen and Brandon Peterson. We moved here just a little over two years ago. Um, we've been in ministry for about 20 years now, and we came from, we were in Dallas, Texas, and all right, wow, there's a lot of that, um, and we actually, about three years ago now, we had come for uh, just a visit, we'd loved the city forever, we're both musicians too, and so we've loved New York, we'd come for a birthday trip for Brandon, and he um, is also a jazz musician, and so we'd come to just watch a lot of jazz. And while we were here, um, I remember two things. I remember one time we were like, you know what? When our kids 
up and go to college. We're just going to move to New York City. They're now 15 and 13. And um, that was one thought we had. And then the other thought was this. We were walking around, and we were like, why don't we have uh, the denomination we're part of? Why don't we have a church here in Manhattan? Like, why hasn't anyone planted a church? And then I said this. Somebody should plant a church in Manhattan. And then we went home. And it was like God just kind of planted that little seed there. And for the next several months, we were just, everything we read, everything we saw, every conversation we had started pointing us to the city. And we were going, God, what are you doing? We love our life. We love the church we're at. We were so comfortable. And God was saying, yeah, (laughs) but I'm calling you here. And so, um, lo and behold, about six months after that, um, we ended up moving here, and we are now planting a church on the Upper East Side called Resurrection Life NYC. Yeah, so we moved here and spent, um, you know, part of the first year just kind of adjusting. Some of you know what that's about. And then began to build our team, and when we felt like we had enough people on our team to launch our church uh, six months ago, we launched Resurrection Life NYC on the Upper East Side, and we meet at between ninety or between first and second on ninety fifth at a, at a school called Trevor Day School. And you know, launch for, for church planters, launch Sunday is incredible. I mean, it makes church planters look really good. Uh, so what happens is everybody and their friends and their family come and join you. We, so we launched in April of this of this past year. And we had almost 100 people there, and we're just celebrating, God, you're up to something. And we were so good at what we were doing that by about six weeks later, we were way less than half of that original amount. That's how good we were. But here's the thing. Have you ever heard somebody make the comment, God will never give you more than you can handle? I've heard people make that comment. I don't think it's true. Uh, God, It's not true. It's not true. In fact, I think God loves giving us more than we can handle. Because what it does is it drives us to our knees. And it, and it causes us to have to rely on the body of Christ in the church. And so um, we have been in a season for sure where we've, we've basically said, you know what, we can't handle this. If God doesn't show up, it won't work. And if the body of Christ doesn't show up, it won't work as well. So I guess unashamedly all that to say, help. <laughs> so... You need help. How can we help? Yeah, so um, over the past really several months, we've been building a relationship here with Trinity and with this family, and it's been great to get to know Keith and James and and Beth also. And um, essentially what we're doing is this. We're starting with this. Uh, Tonight, our service is at 5 p.m. We meet at 5 p.m. on Sundays. Um, If you would like to just come out to our service um, if you come a little bit early, like, say, 4.30-ish, we can plug you in. You can help hand out bulletins or do something like that. But even if you just want to come and worship with us um, and be in, in our midst, and God's doing some really incredible and some great things. So tonight is one opportunity, and then on November 5th is another date that we've put on a calendar to say if any Trinity folks would like to come out and help us, absolutely. And there are probably a 100 other, other ways people could help, but that's, that's where we're starting. We just want to say thank you, too, because one need we had was we have people getting baptized today, and we were like, we don't have a baptistry. Can you help us? We can help. <laughs> so thank you so much. Okay. Great. So, Chris. Hi. Tell, tell us your, your story a bit. Yeah, well, I'm not from New York. I'm... Uh, no. no. I've been here three and a half years. Uh, we were in 
London in England and I was working as a community organizer with a ministry role uh, in the same few streets for about 25 years, never thinking that I'd leave. And then uh, God yanked me and my wife Naomi out of there with our 12, well they're now 12 and 14 year old kids. And we got deposited in East Harlem and uh, we've now grown a family. We got uh, two babies, baby daughters, twins, 18 month olds. So we're full up, but we're, we're, we're planted in, a block of, in about 12 blocks of the neighborhood in East Harlem on 104th. And our church had really got to the point of almost extinction. It was down to its last 15 people, and they had the audacity to think that they could get us to come over and join them. And we said, right, well, we'll do it as long as we can focus on just 12 blocks, because that's like 8,000 people. That's plenty. And half the population is on the poverty line or below. Half the population probably prefers to speak Spanish at home. Uh, and, you know, there's, there's a bunch of reasons why that neighborhood is, is struggling uh, in different ways, but it's also got some beautiful stories of life. And we came to try and work out how on earth we could be part of the renewal of that congregation. The congregation started in the projects on 3rd Avenue and crossed over to be in, in the tenements, but it's really just got its heart for that bit of East Harlem. Um, we've been imagining having a church on three or four sites within that 12 blocks, where we meet around a meal. We're calling it La Mesa. It's going to be starting in the spring. It'll be an opportunity to get people to join each other around a meal table and have uh, like a low bar, a low threshold for doing church. So, and we need all the help we can get. Yeah. <laughs> because, I mean, I'm obviously not from this neighborhood and um, hardly speak much Spanish. So I feel like it's been calling out of me. The requirement that I've had for the job is to build a team. And so we found Mexicans and Puerto Ricans and African-Americans, people that can join in. Some of them are paid, some of them are not. We're just building a team, but it's still tiny, and there's about 15 of us on a Sunday morning. So how can we help? You can turn up. Yeah, we can be, <laughs> we can be the, the body of Jesus, you know, like the Upper East Side and then East Harlem is what starts after 96. It's like the two Americas. You know, it's the story of, and the body of Christ is often fractured. Uh, so we need to reconnect. So we would just love to see you uh, turning up any Sunday morning, but particularly probably next Sunday morning. You can drift in at about this time, and you probably still won't be late. <laughs> we, don't, we don't really have a very organized uh, form of approach. We, we tend to start officially at 11. It starts at 11.20. We roll on till about quarter to one. Um, we would love to have singers. We'd love to have people helping with the babies, uh, just to give us a bit of a sense of being connected. Uh, that's really enough for us at the moment, just to see you uh, turning up. We're very close to Subway, 103rd Street. It's that easy. <laughs> Great. So um, I'm going to put you all three on the spot right now. Is it comfortable standing up here asking for help? <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. It's not comfortable to ask. But there's a humility involved with that. And it is an invitation for us to... Um, so Chris and Jen and, and Brandon are inviting us into their lives by asking for our help. And that's what we have the opportunity to do with our neighbors. I, um, I want to wrap up this morning with this 
this quote from the book that we're basing the series on, The Art of Neighboring. And at the end of the chapter where the authors talk about this art of receiving, the authors write this. The art of receiving is not complicated. It comes down to being aware of our own needs. Self-awareness. Humility. It comes down to being aware of our own needs. It's about opening our eyes, then being vulnerable enough to ask and receive. After all, you couldn't possibly possess all the skills, resources, or tools you need, right? So acknowledge your needs and start noticing the people in your neighborhood who might be willing to help. Friends, if we will humble ourselves, if we'll get past the pride that we all recognize at the beginning of this message, if we will all get past the pride of saying, I got this wired, I got this under control, I can do this myself, if we'll get past the pride of being seen as adequate and allow ourselves to receive from our neighbors, we might just open the door to a friendship that could then lead to conversations about faith in Jesus. You see, if we will learn the art of receiving, in so doing, we're loving God and we're loving our neighbors. Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, thank you that you are willing to that you're willing to put us on the spot so that we have to receive from you. I pray, Lord, that we would all humble ourselves enough that we can open our hands to you so that you can fill us with who you are so that we can become more like you. I pray that that would be our first invitation, that we would ask for your help. But Lord, I pray that we would also see the, the beauty in asking others for help. And the, the opportunity in that for us to grow in, in understanding more of who we are and who we are not. But also, Lord, helping us come alongside of each other and, learn, and learning to love well. I pray that we will do that with... Um, with Church of the Living Hope and, and Resurrection Life. I pray that we will do that with each other. I pray that we will be the people who are not so proud that we can't say, I need help. Lord Jesus, thank you for your love in our lives. Amen.